0: Oh, poop. Poop 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 poop. poop! poop, 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 poop. Poop, 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 poop. Poop,
1: poop. Poop, The poop song has had... Is, is, it's getting close to 400,000 streams on Spotify, which is, um, like, insane. I have, like, some of my favorite musicians on Spotify don't even have like 50,000 streams. And I I feel bad, about it. I sang Poop for a minute and a half, and it's like it's running circles around some of the greatest compositions of all time. So, you know, hey, it worked. It was just um, a clever little idea. I was like, well, poop, kids must type in the word poop to iTunes. So I just wrote, you know, I've written hundreds of poop songs. Um, I'm Matt Farley from Moturn Media. I release music under the names The Very Nice Interesting Singer Man, The Toilet Bowl Cleaners, Matt Moturn Manly Man, Projection From the Side, The Moturn Media Holiday Singers, and
2: The Odd Man Who Sings About Poop, Puke, and Pee. (laughs) You're listening to the Patches Podcast. I'm Dan from Patches. And today we're hearing from this guy, Matt Farley. I learned a lot from talking with Matt because his approach to creating music is something completely different from my own. His recordings don't have the best sound and aren't the most fleshed out, and he doesn't think that they need to be.
1: I was on The Tonight Show, and um, when I, I performed my song on the piano and vocals, and then The Roots performed my song as they went out to commercial. And I was like, all right, well, these guys, these guys, are, these guys know what they're doing. They are so much better than me. But, um, but that's not what I do. I, I, I think of myself primarily as a songwriter, and this, the, the recordings are um, you know, just good enough to get them out there, and you know, if The Roots ever want to do like a full album of covers of my songs, they have my blessing.
2: <laughs> what I really enjoy about Matt's work is you never know what to expect. You're as likely to laugh at something goofy as you are to reflect on one of his novel insights into a common phrase, and you can't be sure if his music will make a deep connection with you or annoy the hell out of you. And what's great is there's is always something new to be surprised by. And that's because Matt Farley has written over 18,000 songs, releasing his music under 70 different aliases. His story begins like many musicians, starting a band in college and writing music with friends.
1: My buddy Tom and I, were in a, we called ourselves Moe's Haven, and um, we would spend entire weekends just recording songs.
0: The sun is bright, it's made
1: for rainy days It's made for foggy nights And we, we it was so much fun College ended and usually you just like uh, move on But I was like, I don't want to move on I want to keep doing this um, And so we kept doing it, you know We'd meet up, uh, you know, at least once a month or so And have these crazy songwriting sessions And, um, you know, the, the only people who'd listen to it Would be our friends if we forced them to listen to it
2: So even back then Matt was thinking of crazy schemes to get ears on the songs he was writing.
1: I would volunteer to drive people to to the airport just so I could get them in my car and I could force them to listen to it and I could try to gauge their reaction to, to, to the songs.
2: And he carried on this mindset when digital distribution came around and changed how he was able to reach people with his music.
1: And then iTunes happened, like, 04, and I, decide, I d- discovered that, that, like, anyone can release an album. I was like, wait, just anyone can do this? There's, <laughs> there's no one stopping us. This is crazy. So we put out all our albums. Um, we, we ended up having 25 albums. and um,
2: Looking over the response to all these releases, Matt made an observation that ended up becoming a turning point in his songwriting career.
1: I noticed uh, that no one was buying them except for when we wrote really weird songs, you know, with weird titles, Um, specifically if you had like an animal or a celebrity or food. And it was like, oh, people are typing weird words into iTunes. And most songs are just about love. There's not a lot of songs about um, monkeys. And I was like, you know what? I, I know I already know how to write songs for, you know, all day. How about I just write songs about topics that people might be searching for? And, um, and then that's what I've been doing for the last 10 years.
2: <laughs> Artists need to appeal to as many listeners as they can to make a living from their music. Matt casts just as wide a net as any other successful musician, but he's built his thread by thread. Each of his songs is another tiny fiber that helps to capture just a few more listeners, but he's able to zoom out and see how the larger web allows him to build his living from his music. It's easy to be critical when you don't see this bigger picture.
1: When people, say, when people say my songs are bad, or just kind of write me off as a uh, as a as a hack, uh, I feel a little bad about it. But um, but also, it's like uh, as you as you you know, when you graduate college, it's usually like, look, you know, all your little hobbies are gonna have to take a back seat. You're gonna have to start paying the bills, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like I wanna. If I can earn enough money singing about poop, that I will then that that it'll give me time to write the quote unquote, serious songs. Uh, that's fantastic. I'm earning money doing something I like doing, and then, you know, I'm not bogged down by a nine to five job. Um,
2: and that's just it. Matt found a way to support his love of writing music by writing lots of music. and it's really not anything he feels bad about.
1: I had a job once at a um, a treatment facility for for um, disabled kids, and one of my responsibilities was um, was wiping people's butts. So when people say to me, like, "Do you feel guilty that you make money singing about poop?" I'm like, "Well, look, I've I've made money wiping people's butts, so I, I'm not, you know, I'm not above. That. I'm not, you know, I'm not above that. I'm I'm perfect, you know. It's like." Uh, don't be so precious and um, you know, and frankly, I try to I try to quell the um, artistic side of me as much as possible because there's nothing nothing annoys me more than a, a, a pretentious artist. It's like you know shut up and sing about poop. That's what the people want.
2: <laughs> so Matt finds a balance between the novelty songs and the rest of the music he wants to make, and he's aware that they both have their own purpose.
1: The silly songs are good. Are good. I'm proud of the silly songs, but also they are kind of a gateway for people who who dig deep enough to find um, the more complex stuff. So the the silly songs are like advertisements for
2: the um, the other stuff. Because of all the songs he's written, he thinks a lot of them are really worth listening to.
1: Um, I've you know I've written eighteen thousand almost eighteen thousand five hundred songs and. Um, and honestly, look, obviously I'm a little bit, um, what's it called, biased, but uh, I think I think I've written like at, at least like a thousand songs that are of all time greatness.
2: And this is one of the things I love about Matt, and one of the things that's kept him going. He believes in himself and the projects he's working on.
1: You know, I guess I grew up thinking, you know, loving the Beatles and loving um, Bob Dylan and just thinking they were the greatest. And and thinking that I was just as good. <laughs> you know, that's a good way. To, everyone should be that way. I think everyone should think that they are the greatest of all time. I know I do.
0: I'll be so emotional that you just want to puke. And you're so cute, so confident, so unfamiliar to me. Baby, baby, can
2: I be in yours? One of the things that's obvious from just how many songs Mets are in is the persistence and determination it's taken to keep going.
1: <laughs> I mean, uh, a lot of people totally would have quit. I mean, most people would have quit after college. You know, just like, oh, you know, you made some fun songs with your, your buddy in college. I mean, now get uh, on with your life. But I was like, no, we didn't just make some fun songs. We... The albums we made in our dorm room are masterpieces, and the world needs to know. And so, you know, I kind of um, set up my life in such a way that I could um, attempt to get the world to figure out how great we were. You know, I my job after um, college was working at a group home for teens. And, um, you know, I got down to where I could do 40 hours of work over the course of three days. The pay wasn't great, but money is less important than time so I, I had four days per week to work on music and then the other three days i just worked you know my regular job non you know essentially nonstop. but um it was totally worth it be, like now um I, I don't work there anymore because i'm earning enough to just do the music but um you have to be thoughtful about every aspect of your life you know do you get a nice car because if you're buying yourself a nice car, then that means you, you need to earn more money. And if you're earning more money, then it means you have more time spent doing the thing that gets
2: you the money, which at that point was not music. So, um, And that's how Matt was able to spend so much of his time writing music. It makes me think of Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hour rule. The idea is that with enough practice, you can become a master of something just by developing a subconscious instinct for it. And this seems to be what's happened to Matt after years of crafting song after song.
1: Yeah, so um, I don't I don't do it uh, in a scientific way. I just just do it and keep doing it, and then it, I guess innately you you start to um, just go in the direction that works better. But it's definitely not a, a conscious thing. Like, oh, uh, maybe the melody should go like this. Is it's more just like, all right, what chords did I just hit on the keyboard and? and What do I feel like singing over them? Uh, It seems like it is mostly an an unconscious thing. Just the act of doing it. it, Unconsciously, you figure out
2: how to do it, and then you just, and boom, you're doing it better. But this doesn't mean Matt is immune from hitting a wall. The difference with him is he's learned to push through it.
1: And, you know, sometimes I come down, and the first hour that I'm working on music is just not happening, but then just, like, the juices start flowing, and then it's like, ah, Yeah, you know, it's like uh, it's like running. You know, no one likes to start running, no, you know, no matter what. Even though I, I think I don't know who knows. Some people might, but it's kind of like you're sitting on the couch, and you're like, oh, do I have to go running? But then a mile into it, you're like, oh, all right, this is why I did it. You know, so you know, it it hurts a little bit, but in 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 a good way. You know, any everything worthwhile probably hurts a little
2: bit. And following that same philosophy. He makes it clear it's important to finish whatever it is you're working on.
1: My advice to anyone with, with writer's block or, or just not knowing what to do, just finish it because th- there's something different in my point of view between abandoning it and 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 it's different. If you abandon it halfway through, then you're going to get into the habit of, of not finishing things. And I think that's a bad habit. So um, no matter how bad it is, just finish it. And then, you know... I even release it too which you know <laughs> is potentially a mistake but I don't think it is a mistake because there are so many albums I release I'm like all right songs 1 2 and 6 are brilliant and the rest stink and nobody ever mentioned songs 1 2 or 6 but they mentioned other songs as being their favorites so I'm not a good judge of um of my own work so I'll just do it just get it done Let's, let's tidy it up here just just boom, get it done and, and move on to the next thing that's I, that's how the creative
2: pipeline works for me at least one of the ways musicians tend to lose drive is by getting too caught up in the details of their project it's like painting with a magnifying glass and forgetting that the eventual audience will only see the picture when it's hanging on the wall across the room
1: yeah, and I, you know, people uh, I, in Pet Sounds, the the Beach Boys album, uh, people talk about like, um Uh, wouldn't it be nice and wouldn't it be nice there's the intro you know and then like the big drum comes in you know and then the song starts and they're like oh Brian Wilson was really focused on when that drum would happen and it was it happened at a a beat where typically that drum wouldn't happen and it changed everything and it's like come on that didn't change it's just a good song it's just a good song oh we
0: can say goodnight and stay Together, or wouldn't it be nice?
2: Matt might take this philosophy to the extreme, but he makes a point I think we as producers seem to often forget. The song is what matters, and the little things we sometimes obsess over don't end up making much of a difference in the end. We've all spent 45 minutes doing something like eQing a kick drum, and by the time we've made marginal improvements to it, we're completely burnt out.
1: It can drive you nuts. Like, you know, people can just spend so much time like worrying about this tiny little thing that no one's going to notice. It's like, just, you know, try to write a pretty good chord progression and a pretty good melody and record it as well as you can w- without losing um, your mind. And then move on to the next one. Because if the song's no good, um, all the work in the world isn't going to make it better. And so um, just get it done, and maybe you learned a lesson from this mediocre song that'll help you write a
2: great song next. But musicians and producers will find all sorts of reasons to not see their work through. One of the most common excuses is feeling like you don't have the right hardware or software.
1: One thing that people also get bogged down in is the equipment. And it seems a lot of the people who want the good equipment are the ones who get the good equipment and then never use it, too. (laughs) And then they just have, like, this little corner of their uh, apartment with, when they finally get the equipment, it's just sitting there.
2: Matt's pretty clear these things shouldn't stop anyone from doing something creative. And not doing so is one of the things that distinguishes the best artists.
1: Supposedly, Francis Ford Coppola, um, his, his approach to making movies was not to be, like, waiting until they had all exactly the right money and the right investors and everything lined up. It was just like, all right, I'm making a movie. Are you with me or not? And he just did it, and it was just a force
2: of nature, and everyone rallied behind it. When you think about what you actually need to make a strong artistic statement, you'll probably find you don't need very much at all.
1: Oftentimes, I'll, I'll think back to uh, Robert Johnson, the blues singer from the uh, 1930s, um, and he only had, you know, I think he only had a handful of recording sessions just with a guitar and vocals in a hotel room, like one microphone. I went
0: to the classroom.
1: Um, And that music is outrageously influential and, you know, incredibly low-fi. So, um, you don't have to be perfect. And frankly, the more perfect it gets, um, you know, the less interesting it gets often. Uh, Perfection is a little bit dull.
2: I think his point is that legendary recordings could not be so inspirational if the artist decided to wait for better technology and they never got recorded at all. Great songs are great in spite of, and often because of, these constraints. And songwriters can't afford to get too wrapped up in what they don't have.
1: I get I get frustrated um, when I see people, they're like, I can't be a songwriter until I have the right equipment. And frankly, uh, your phone is... Is better technology than uh, a lot of people were using um, <laughs> 25 years ago. You know, I was I was doing stuff on on tape. You know, and it sounded horrible. If you know, versus if you're recording yourself with your phone, it's gonna sound better than Robert Johnson's uh, recordings from the 1930s. And those things are the, like the greatest things ever. So, a lot of people are just like sitting there, like, well, if I if I can just save up enough to afford this really great program and this great microphone and this great blah blah blah, then I can be a songwriter. And it's like, no, you you probably have a phone that has like the voice memo app. So, you know, use that, or just
2: use a tape recorder or something. The point is, don't make excuses to avoid writing and recording songs if that's what you want to do. After all, a recording is like a time capsule of your ideas that will last forever.
1: But then again, we're all just ants, you know, building a little anthill that's then going to be blown away by the wind. So ultimately, everything is is fleeting. But, you know, don't wait. Just do it. Get started. Um, We're going to be dead soon. So sing sing as many poop songs as you can before that happens. (laughs)
0: Jason Avon, he is the man. Jason Avon has got great hands. Jason. Advances. Avant says, find you catch a lot of balls, yeah. Jason Avant is a great, 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 great receiver for the Eagles. He's Jason Avant, he's a fine man. I like him a lot. Oh oh, Jason Avant. He catches everything that gets thrown in his general direction. He's a tremendous athlete.
2: This episode was produced by me, Dan Helsey, and Pierce Porterfield with help from Jim Young and Lily Moore. Special thanks to Matt Farley for agreeing to talk with us. You can learn more about Matt and hear the songs he's written by visiting moturnmedia.com. The link is in the show notes. The Patches Podcast is a project of Patches.Zone, a website dedicated to creating resources for music producers. If you're looking for sample packs, Ableton Live tutorials, or music production guides, go check out our page. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts to get all of our next episodes. Thanks for listening.
0: Receiver for the Eagles. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jason Irvine. Yeah, 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 yeah.